please be seated. Let's just thank our worship team today. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you. Joanna's first thought, first time. Come on, let's give thanks to God for her. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. We're going to continue with um, just looking at some things from the book of Acts. So let's pray, shall we? Lord, we just thank you for your word today. First of all, we thank you for all of your people, those that have gathered today, those that are online. We thank you, Father, for their contribution and for the availability to serve you and to help people engage with you. This morning, Lord, we pray that as I speak, Lord, from your word, we pray that you would somehow change minds or hearts. And we pray, Lord, that the word of God will not just be static in our lives, but Lord, somehow through your presence and the Holy Spirit, that you will apply something to us today that we can take home and begin to apply to our lives. So Father, we pray for your word that is active, sharp, alive. Lord, that it will just begin to change our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's great to be here this morning and um, I just want to share just um, to talk about uh, the message that we preach. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And if you read Acts 2, you'll read through how he presented the first gospel message um, in public. Uh, the first person that would actually witness to the resurrection of Jesus was Mary, who went back to Peter, who didn't believe that Jesus was alive. Isn't it interesting how, how God will sometimes still uh, be tolerant with us when there's times we just have no faith. But So here's Peter, full of boldness now, after hiding away and... Uh, the power of God comes on him and he gets up and he speaks a message. But I want to talk a little bit, first of all, about um, just some practical things of, of wanting to share the message of Jesus. We want to reach people for the Lord. We want to make him known uh, that he's alive and he is well. And uh, we can learn from this because I think sometimes we can think there's just one way and one method. But there is one message, but the methods and ways can change. And you can see through Acts how God begins to, to move different people in positions and communicate with people at different levels. And we, we need to be aware of that. You know, when we're trying to um, share our faith with people or our life as Christians, it's, it, you just don't go in blind, just, just give them the gospel full on and like it or lump it. There needs to be some kind of wisdom and relationship in those people that were trying to reach for Jesus. And so in Acts 2, verse 8, it says, This is how it was that each of us hears them in our own native tongue. The Holy Spirit came and it filled them, and, it, and there would they begin to speak in other tongues. But what, what we tend to miss is that sometimes, and we are a Pentecostal church, that we just talk about you know speaking in tongues. But the tongues that they spoke, in the book of Acts at the beginning was a language where other people could understand and also that language helped them connect with God. And so I want us to understand that, that when God does something, he does it not just for the sake of it, to give someone a spiritual badge or to, to think that we're better than other people. God does something to help people connect with him. And so on the day of Pentecost, when God poured out his spirit, they spoke a language that other people in their native tongue heard them saying the praises of God. And this is what it says, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Isn't that incredible? 
there that when the power of God came upon the early church, God enabled them to communicate and connect with people in their own language. And so God is all about trying to connect to people where they're at. It's like Des talks about reaching the youth where they're at, not just presuming that everybody's at the same place. So the Holy Spirit came upon them and they begin to speak with other tongues. In other words, so God could communicate his message to different language groups, to different people. And we can see clearly here that it got their attention. And so in that context, please listen to me. When you study where the gospel was first preached, it was specifically to the Jewish nation and to converts into Judaism. And so when Peter, when you look at his message and he begins to preach and communicate, he speaks in the language that they can understand. You know, sometimes we talk to non-believers and they're thinking, what are you talking about? Because we've got to get in our head that people are at different places in their walk with God. Their, their language, their understanding of God and the Bible may be totally miles apart from different people that we meet. But in the context of this particular setting where Peter preached the gospel, he starts off relevant to them. First of all, they were Jews. First of all, they were converts to Judaism. And he spoke in Jerusalem where these people already come to worship God. They already was a religious group. They already was understanding of what happened in that time about Jesus. And so whenever Peter spoke to them, he spoke in a language that they clearly understand. And so when they begin to, he explains the gospel, he starts by saying, because they said, what is this? Some people thought they were drunk. And he says, no, this is what this is. This is what it was talked about in, by the prophet Joel. And so, you know, they, they knew who Joel was. And sometimes when we speak to, to people that don't know Jesus, we think they know the Bible. We think they know who the prophet Joel was. And they might have a brother called Joel, but they don't know who the prophet Joel is. And so we've got to get some, some um, clarity in the way we communicate Jesus to people. And so they knew who the prophet Joel was. They knew what the day of the Lord was because they were expectant about judgment and restoration for the Jewish people. But what Joel was talking about was that God was going to bring judgment against those who were against God. And what they didn't realize, they just crucified the Son of God. And so the message was so close to them. When Peter begins to point the finger that you crucified the Lord, they were so convicted because they was in the moment they, they was in the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. So the conviction was so easy. And so as church people and as, as people that communicate the gospel, sometimes we, we say stuff that goes so far over people's heads it can't connect. And as you begin to look at the New Testament, you look at the book of Acts, as God began to move, and then it says, they repented, what shall we do? He says, you need to repent and be baptised. And so 3,000 were saved on that day and were baptised. Baptism, please listen to this. Baptism um, was only for those that converted to Judaism. That they would begin to identify with a new faith. So it was, it was unthinkable for the Jews to think about getting baptised. So here's the reason that baptism was so important in, in there and for now. 
Baptism was not something that makes you say, okay, now I've been baptised in water, now I know I'm going to be going to heaven. No, no. Baptism was a proof that you're going to heaven. Baptism was an outworking that God's done something on the inside of you. So what Peter says was, if you really, you just asked me, what should I do? If you really want to connect with the person that you've just crucified, who was raised from the dead, he is the Messiah, he is the promised one. If you really want to connect with this religion, this faith, if you really want to connect to this person, then you need to be baptised. You need to prove and put your money where your mouth is because one minute you are crucifying Jesus. Now what I'm asking you to do is to go public with your faith in the name of Jesus. Can you imagine the pressure on these Jews and these converts to Judaism thinking, I've got to go public and not only get baptised to identify with the new faith, but I've also got to do it in the name of Jesus the person they've just crucified. So if you were going to get baptised in the early church, it means that something definitely happened on the inside of you because you're willing to put your life on the line and get excommunicated for the new faith that you now are committing to. So if you're thinking about getting baptised, it's not because it's an act of religion to say, well, I've, I've put my hand up in a church meeting to the gospel and now I'm going to go through water, now I'm going to be saved. No, if you're going to get baptised, it's a public declaration that God has forgiven you and done something in your heart and you're willing to tell the world. Not only tell the world, but to live out your faith in serving and following Jesus. So 3,000 were added to that day. When you go into the, the, the book of Acts chapter 8, here we see the church is persecuted because of preaching the risen Christ and so many people's lives being affected. So they come now to another story where the church is being persecuted and Philip, who was a deacon who was watching, serving on tables, is now moved out into a place called Samaria. And in Samaria, there is a different crowd. This crowd is, is, is very heavily in, in sorcery and witchcraft and the occult. And, and when, when, when Simon goes into this arena, it's interesting to know that he didn't get out the book of Joel. He realised there was a different crowd. A different method was going to reach these people. And in that city, there was a sorcerer called Simon who moved in great power. There was miracles, the fact that the power, the, 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 like the power of God. So when, when Philip turns up, he doesn't pull out the, the book of Joel, but he talks about the good news of Jesus that he's alive and he begins to move in signs and wonders and miracles and evil spirits are leaving people and people are getting healed and it, and it automatically connects with the people and what they're used to experiencing supernatural things and, and Philip's able to say that this power it's God's power in the name of Jesus. And many were converted and a big revival happened. And he begins to talk about Jesus. A different method for a different crowd, but the same message. And we've got to begin to understand where people are at and help them in their journey. And then, then, then God speaks to Philip and says, I want you to go now to the desert road after. Move from a revival to a lonely place to reach one man for Jesus. So he goes up to a man, the Ethiopian eunuch, is coming back from church from Jerusalem and he's reading the Bible, but let me tell you something, he doesn't know what he's reading. He doesn't know who he's reading about. So Philip goes close to him and he says to him, you know, what are you reading? Do you understand? He says, how can I understand if nobody explains it to me? He didn't even know who Jesus was. So he didn't start with the book 
of Joel and he didn't start with signs and wonders. He opened the scriptures where the person was already reading and he began with that very passage. Sometimes we speak to people too deep. We need to start where they're at. He was reading Isaiah, so he started with Isaiah and he began to tell him about Jesus. So much so that the Ethiopian stopped and said, here is water, why can't I get baptised? And so what I'm trying to say to you is that we as Christians, we've got to get a bit more savvy in how we present our message. We've got to begin to find a bit more where people are at in their walk with God. Not just going straight in and like to the jugular and, and then just giving them it all in five minutes and they're thinking, what was that? No connection, no understanding, no, no reality of what we're trying to communicate. And many times, I don't know about you, but some Christians do it just to get rid of guilt that I've actually told somebody about Jesus. No compassion, no love, no care about the person, no follow-up, just they've got to get the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. And we've got to be, be a church that's flexible and available, but never compromise the message. So what, how did Peter's message actually start and finish. Let me go through this very quickly to us. The first beginning of Peter's message started with a person. It didn't start with a church. It didn't start with a ministry. Acts 2 says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was the man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Let me tell you, our message, folks, is not about a personality, it's about Jesus. He's the only one that can get us to eternity. He's the only one that can connect us to God. He's the only one that can forgive us of all of our sins. In fact, Acts 4 says salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven to mankind by which we must be saved. I don't care what kind of religion that we're following, only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can forgive you because he's the only one that was willing to die on the cross and be raised from the dead and overcome death. Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one can come to the Father but through me. And so I want to say to you that, that Peter started with a person and I want to say to you in our church and in our ministries, we must always start with Jesus. Jesus is the name that is above every other name. And only at his name will every knee bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. The second thing that Peter talks about is that God's got a plan. This man was handed over to you, Acts 2, by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Did you know that when Adam and Eve messed up, God already had a plan? God has got a plan for our lives. I don't care where you are in your life, on screen, in church. I want to say no matter how bad life is right now, God's got a plan for you. God has always had a plan for you. And when, when we mess up, God's always got a plan to sort it out. Just like in the beginning, when he says to Adam and Eve <coughs> and the devil, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and, you will, and, you, and she will strike your heel. He will strike his heel. So God already had a plan when man messed up to actually deal with our sins. Revelation 13 says, the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. And Romans 5 says this, see, just at the right time, 
when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I want to tell you today that God has a plan for your life. And at the right time, God can move in and change things and work things and recover things and restore things and heal things because our God is a planner and our God comes right on time. I just want to encourage you today. And thirdly, Peter said that the message is a message of action. It says, with the help of wicked men, you put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Do you know what it took for, for our sins to be forgiven? Did you know what it took for, for God to actually sort this plan out? It took his son to come and die on a cross for us. It, God had a plan, but it took action. And Jesus in the garden says, it's not my will. After, after sweating drops of blood and wanting to say, I don't want to do this. He, he thought about us today. And he thought, I've got to do this because nobody else can. And so he says, Lord, not my will. It's going to take action. And he allowed them to crucify him to the cross for the sins of the world. And Isaiah says he was despised and rejected. And it says this, that he, surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings. Yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes we have been healed, that we have been forgiven. I want to encourage you today that Jesus became obedient even to death on the cross. No one else would do this for mankind, only Jesus. No one is able to do it because he is without sin. And Peter then says, but there is results. What's the results of this action? This is the gospel message. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Come on, church, it's impossible for death to keep its hold on him and also for those that believe in him. I want to tell you now that my life is, is sealed through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, and because I've responded to him. And Romans says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. It says, Since we are now being justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? I want to tell you something. I have no longer any fear of the wrath of God coming for my judgment because Jesus Christ took it on the cross for me. And if you're a follower of Jesus today and you feel guilty about, oh, I'm going to get judged for, you know, if you've given your life to Jesus, then he has forgiven you and he's cleansed you from all unrighteousness. But not only that, not only has he forgiven you, he's actually given you righteousness God has given us his righteousness. So when God looks at us, not only is our sins been taken and put on Jesus, that Jesus gives us his righteousness and it's placed on me. So when God looks at me, he doesn't look at me in my own strength. He looks at me because of credit from God upon my life and upon your life. What an exchange. What a result. And the result is that I am forgiven and the proof is that, that I receive the promised Holy Spirit who will make us alive to God. The response to that is this, repent and be baptised. In other words, admit that you've lived life without God. Admit that you can't do things in your own strength. Admit that you had nothing to do with God in your life, but now you want him in your life. And so there is an invitation. All that God has done for us, a plan, action, a purpose, invitation comes next. Acts 2. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Acts 2, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. I want to say to you, have you got people in your life that doesn't want to know nothing about God? Have you got people in your life that actually ridicules for the faith that you are following? I want to tell you they're not too far off from God. Because this message is from the furthest person that doesn't want to know God. It's for the dirtiest person, the simplest person. No matter who you are, every one of you in this place and those watching online, this message is for you. And God will receive you because he died for you and he died for me. And so I want to tell you, the promise is for you. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever, I love that, don't you? That God is all-inclusive. That whosoever, yeah, that person you can't stand. Yeah, that person that you would rather see locked up. Yeah, the whosoever's that God came to die for. That whosoever will believe in me, listen, shall not perish and go to a lost eternity, but have everlasting life. Will start a relationship with me now and also will go through to eternity. So what do we have to do? We need to say, Lord, I'm sorry for living my life my way. I want to give my life to you and trust you. Ask you to forgive me and come into my life and cleanse me from the inside out and make me brand new. Wipe my slate clean and give me a brand new start. And as I come to a close today, you know, many people say, well, what's the purpose of our message? I don't know about you, but you probably say, well, it's easy, Jason. The purpose of our message is so that we've got to tell people because so they don't go to hell. We end up with a hell bit. In fact, some preachers start with a hell bit and finish with it. Let me tell you, the main purpose of the gospel is not that you won't go to hell. The main purpose of the gospel, the results of that is that you won't go to hell. But it's not the main reason why we preach it or live it. The main purpose of the message of the gospel is to come into a relationship with God. It's not a place, it's a person that we encounter. And so you cannot bypass a person to get to the place. When you haven't got Jesus, you haven't got heaven. But when you have Jesus, heaven is an all-inclusive package to our walk with God. So the main reason we preach the message of good news and the reason why Jesus came was to restore our relationship with him. That we can have a living walking, breathing relationship with God and that's the difference between every other religion and Christianity because our faith is about a person who is living and alive and wants to have a relationship with you. So I want to challenge you today online and in here. If you've come to a church service being religious that you're thinking that I'm only coming to sing the songs and hear the word but you haven't got a relationship with God then you miss the whole reason why you turn up. The reason why Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and my sins is so you can have a living relationship with him for now and for eternity. My question to you, have you got a relationship with him? Because 1 Peter says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's the main purpose. To bring people to God, to know the love of God that we experience. And Paul puts it like this. I pray out of the glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
I pray that being rooted and established in love may have all the power together, all of Lord's, of Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love. I ask you, do you know Jesus as your personal Saviour and friend and Father? Do you know Him? Not that do you attend church, not that you give your tithe. Do you know God? Because that's the whole reason why He came to die, to remove the barrier of sin so you can be forgiven of all your wrong and connect with this God that we follow who was willing to leave heaven to die on earth. A crucifixion was unbearable to pay the price for our sins so we can have a relationship with Him and know Him forever. God desires a relationship with people. That's why He said, not my will, but your will be done. It's the only way only way so you can't get saved by good works even though we do them did you know that all our goodness is like filthy rags before God when they asked Jesus about what is what do we do to do the works of God what does he require he says this the work of God is this to believe in the one that he sent you know, if people are judged when this is all over, they'll be judged on one major thing which cancels everything out, whether it's not a degree of sin, a little bit of sin, because all have sinned. If they've refused to put their trust in Jesus, then they'll be judged for their sin, because that's the biggest sin, that you refuse Jesus as your personal saviour. And I want to give you an opportunity today. If you don't know Lord, the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, you haven't got a relationship with Him. You don't know Him. He's, he's, nothing's happened in your internal life. No reality that God is living and active. Your religion may be dead, but He's not alive. He's not real. He doesn't speak to you. He doesn't help you or guide you. You don't know that He exists. Then today, you can have that freely by His grace, but you have to respond. The Apostle Paul knew about this and he says in Romans 10, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he's not just a man, he's not just a prophet, he is God. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. I want to say to you today, no matter who you are and what you've done and where you've come from, if you put your trust in Jesus and you believe in your heart and you say, Lord, I'll give you my life, I want to tell you that he'll receive you. Everything you've ever done in your past will be wiped clean and give you a brand new start and you'll start a new living relationship with God. When I went to church, I had no idea that God was alive. When somebody says that Jesus is alive, and I said, okay, if you're real God, then make yourself known to me. At that moment, I couldn't believe it. Something left me and something imparted my heart. All of a sudden, I knew that God was alive. Do you know that today? 
Let's stand together. For those of you who are online and watching, everyone in this building right now, you may have come to church. You may have said, well, yeah, I believe in God. I like the music. Uh, sermon's not bad. My question to you today, wherever you are in this place, have you a relationship with God? Have you a relate? Do you know Him? Because that, if you know Him, you're going to heaven. Let me tell you that now. It's not because you're a member of a church that you're going to heaven. It's not that you go through the waters of baptism that you're going to. Do you know Him? If you don't know Jesus, don't leave today without really considering your choices. If you're online today and you don't know Him, I'll tell you, He wants to come into your life. And He wants you to know Him because He loves you. And all you have to do, please listen to me. This is not a religious prayer. It, it, it's not in the Bible. But let me tell you, God looks at the heart. Because Paul says, if you confess with your heart and your mouth, it's a heart issue. Do you want God? Do you want Him in your life? Do you want to know Him? Because He died for you. Do you want a brand new start to be forgiven of all your sins? And do you want assurance of eternal life? then Jesus offers that today. That's the good news that we preach. Everyone in this room and online, I'm going to say a simple prayer, very simple, no religious steps, but I want to just do what Paul did. If you want the Lord, you say to you in your heart, Lord, I've been coming to church and been singing the songs, or I've never been to church, this is the first time. I didn't know that I could have a relationship with the living God. Now it all makes sense that you came to remove the barrier of sin and took my place on the cross and took my guilt and shame and given me brand new righteousness, placed it on me, forgiven and cleansed so I can walk with you just as in the beginning when he walked with Adam. That's what it's about, folks. Our Christianity is about walking with God and then living that out with other people. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for every person in this room and those online. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I can't, I'm not sure about articulating the words, I want to ask you, what's your heart saying? What's happening to you right now? Is God speaking to you by the Holy Spirit and saying, come on, you need me. You need me in your life and you need to respond to me. If that's you, just, just begin when I pray. Just agree with this prayer on your own. Just make that decision yourself. I can't force you, but I beg you that this is the greatest decision that you'd ever make because he's the greatest person in your world. And he's willing to come in and forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong and to help you from now on till eternity to walk with you. If that's you in this place, online, just say this prayer from your heart. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I thank you that you were willing to die on the cross for me. And on the third day you rose again. I believe you are the Son of God. And from this moment, I make a decision to hand my life over to you. Please forgive me and come into my life. I want a real relationship with you. I ask you now by your Holy Spirit to come and fill me. Make yourself known to me. I make a decision to live my life in your hands from this moment. 
and I ask it in Jesus' name. All over this building and online, if you have really meant that in your heart, I guarantee you 150% that God has to respond to faith. The Holy Spirit will visit you in your heart right now at home and in this place, something will take place on the inside of you. Well, you can begin to walk with God and your life will be changed and you'll have assurance of eternal life. That's the good news. And if you're here today and you've, you know, I said that prayer and I mean it. When you leave today at the information desk, there is a pack there with a good news pack. We'll help you to know what you've done and we'll connect with you and follow you up and encourage you and help you. If you're online, I want to tell you, get plugged into a church, talk to another Christian that's, that's wise. But I want to tell you, if you've done that, God will never let you go. And good news will come to your house in Jesus' name. God bless you today.